All right, this morning I'm going to invite my friend uh, Kendall Vandekamp. He is going to come and read the scripture for today. Uh, Kendall serves on the directional team, which is our, our elder board. So if we could give him a rowdy welcome, I'd appreciate it. Good morning. Genesis 1, 1 through 31. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark the seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the waters teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was very good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food, and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Awesome. Thanks, Kendall. So this morning we are starting a summer series called Tell a Good Story. And here's kind of the heart behind it. The heart behind it is like, hey, let's take some of the stories that are common. If you've grown up around church, like you've heard some of these, some people call them Bible stories. Let's talk about some of those in a context other than Sunday school. There happens to be a lot of those stories that don't get a lot of attention from the front once you kind of reach a certain age. And so we've kind of gone through and chosen a whole list of stories that we are going to be going through this summer. I will tell you that I have five summers planned so far. And so we're not going to be able to get it all done in one summer. So if you come to invitation for the next five summers, we're going to be doing these stories, all right? So are you excited? Great. I can tell that you're very excited. I can't stop. Um, Yeah. So what we're going to probably get done this summer is probably just Genesis and Exodus because there's just so many amazing stories. And we wanted to start with this one. We wanted to start with a picture God's first impression to humanity, like his first revelation of the kind of God that he is. Like we're told in this narrative, what? That the world, the earth is what? It's formless and it's empty. If you read it in Hebrew, it's this phrase, tohu wabohu, formless and it's empty. And if I had to take the 31 verses of Genesis chapter 1 and I had to boil it down in three words, here's the words I would choose. I would choose chaos. And then I would choose order. And then I would choose satisfaction. And God is not the only one who has witnessed chaos and then who has brought order And then who has stood back in satisfaction? Has anyone ever done laundry before? Right? There's chaos by the washer and the dryer. Right? And then you bring some order to the chaos by the washer and the dryer. And then you're satisfied because everything has folded. And you get 18 seconds of freedom until there's more dirty clothes in the house. I think there's those of us who have experienced this with our garage at home. Like the garage is, there's insanity. Demons are living in the garage that have just created this mess in there. And you go out there and you pull it up and there's leaves that didn't make it to the dump. There's toys everywhere. There's tools strewn about. And after 90 minutes, you've made some order and where there was chaos, and you step back, and you're like, yeah, it's good. We've experienced the moment. We've experienced the moment, I don't know, let's talk about cleaning out your purse, and there's just a lot of stuff in there, and the reason there's a lot of stuff in your purse is because when you're a mom, people just hand you stuff, 
for like no particular reason because they kind of think you have 10 hands and so it just goes in the purse and and then you kind of reach a point, I don't have a purse, but I'm imagining, you kind of reach a point where you're sort of done carrying around all the extra stuff. So let's take this out. Let's like go through it. There is chaos and order. And then it's like, oh, that is just a lot better. We could talk about playing with Legos, right? There's a moment we have a huge container filled with Legos and all of the different kits have found their way together in one box. And then we take some time and we start giving order to it and then we're able to build ships and vehicles and dinosaurs, whatever the Legos were meant to build. We know what this is like for there to be chaos and then for there to be order and then for there to be satisfaction. So part of the grace in the creation narrative is that something that is central to the heart of God finds its way in us. I want you to think about for the moment, the moments in your life when you have paused where you were and you took out your phone and you took a picture of a landscape because you wanted to be able to look at it later and it's just beautiful. That there is an order that is woven into our hearts and there's a beauty and a simplicity that I don't want to just experience this moment. I want to be able to remember it. And so part of God's grace is something that, be, that is central to him finds its way in us. Verse 1. Don't worry, we're not going to do all the verses. You're like, wow. 31 verses, bro? Okay, no, 1. In the beginning, God. It's just good to remember that before there was anything, there was God. That before there is stress, there's God. Before there's cancer, there's God. Before there is anger, there's God. Before there was worry, there was God. Before there was grief, there was God. Before there was conflict, there was God. And God is present in the tohu wabohu, in the formlessness and the emptiness. My goal is to say tohu wabohu as many times as I can today, if you're wondering. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so in one verse, we have an identification of the creator. That God's the one who created and It's the explanation of the origin of the world. My favorite thing about verse 1 is it ties God's work in the past to God's work in the future. And what separates Genesis 1 from other creation accounts, because we have, you know, well, the world maybe came to be this way or the world came to be this other way over here. What separates Genesis 1 is that it takes work for God to bring it about. Like it takes effort for God to bring it about. It takes sweat for God to bring it about. Well, how do you know that? I know that because God rests. So it takes effort and work. And what I love about that, you might think, well, well, doesn't that like diminish God? I don't know if I want to like serve a God who like has to work. I want to serve a God who can just like snap his fingers and it is. 
And what I love about that in the text, church, is it doesn't diminish God, but it elevates work. That there's a holiness to the work that God has given us to do. So no matter if you are working inside the home or outside the home, there's a holiness to the work that you have been called to. No matter if you're still part of the workforce or if you're retired, there's a holiness to the work because when you are working, you are in partnership with God to take things that are chaotic and to bring order to them and then to have the satisfaction of seeing it all work together. But this text is complicated. This passage is not concerned with talking to us about the mechanism or the process of creation as much as the power behind creation. It's highlighting God as the creator. Because you come to a text like this, which we find out is a Hebrew poem, and you're like, okay, I only have 17 questions about how this all happened. One of the questions that comes up, verse 3, we see that God says, Let there be light, and there was light. Amazing. That his voice spoken in the darkness brings light. But then, go to verse 16, and it says that God made the sun, the moon, and the stars. I feel confused. Because in verse 3, it said that he made the light. And then verse 16, there's sun and there's moon and there's stars. And so this text, this creation poem is highlighting God as the power of creation. And so if you're coming to it and you're trying to grab it by the throat for it to tell you exactly how all of this happened, you're going to be disappointed. Like most things with God, there is some mystery to all of this. But what God is clear about is that God of the Bible is a God who is very concerned with chaos. He's very concerned with darkness. He's very concerned with the patterns of the universe and bringing his peace. The Bible talks about it as shalom, wholeness to the whole thing. Because after each step, he says that it was good. And I learned something this week that I have to tell you about. That there's this term in Hebrew, tov miod. So when he says that it was good, there's this phrase, tov miod. And I always thought, oh, it's referring to what has just happened. Like it's referring to the sun that is good and the fish that are good and all these things that are good. But that's not what tov miod means. Tov miod means all of the things working together are good together. I think that's really beautiful. That all of these things are working together for what? For good. What does that sound like? That sounds to me like the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. That God what? Takes all things, works them together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So God is this great artist. Isn't that beautiful, church? I almost fell out of my chair on Thursday when I figured that out. There's a beauty to all of that. But the work of creation is a correction of chaos, isn't it? It's it's taking the laundry pile that feels like, what is this, 10 years of laundry happens to be three days. 
and bringing order to it. It's a correction of what is chaotic. So notice the emptiness and the formlessness and the darkness and the deep are replaced with a creation that is what? That is good and blessed by God. Do you notice in verse 22, like the first thing to be blessed in the account? It's not the sun, it's not the stars, it's not the plants. You notice what it is? It's the animals. That's the first thing. The first thing to be blessed in the Bible. If you're on a Bible trivia show someday, it's the animals. So, so interesting, no wonder so many of our animals, we call them family. They're the first to be blessed of God in the narrative. Just a verse for all my dog people in the house. But there's this eternal answer to the question, like, does God care about chaos? Like, does God care about my chaos? Like, does God care about the chaos in my heart? Does God care about, care about the, the chaos in my home? Does God care about the chaos in my place of work? Does God care about the chaos in this person that I love so desperately in the creation account? Is God's answer eternally that not only do I care about it, I'm going to enter it. And not only do I enter it, but I will do something about it. The God of the Bible is, a, is the God who is the worker of chaos. He doesn't walk past it. He doesn't sidestep it. He doesn't pretend that it's not a part of the world. He witnesses the chaos and he says, oh, I can do something about that. Isaiah 45, verse 18. I haven't read this one before until this week in the context of the creation narrative. Super beautiful. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he's God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it, I love it, to be empty. But formed it to be inhabited, he says. I am the Lord and there is no other. He did not create the world to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. So the creation event is God's first impression of the kind of God that he is. This revelation to his people that he's a near God, he's a personal God, he's an active God, and he's a good God. And you can remember this whole creation account just by remembering two words. Anybody like, the order is kind of hard to remember? So you're like, what is it the, what's the first, when is the stuff, all of that. So two words, forming and filling, okay? So Chad's going to put a slide on the screen. So day one, two, and three are forming days. So that's how you can remember it in your mind. Again, Bible trivia show. You never know, right? Never know. So day one, God formed the light and separated it from the darkness. Like what a beautiful God we have, right? That he enters the darkness but he's going to separate the light from the darkness. Like the light and darkness are not destined to live in the same house. They're not destined to live together. And then day two, God forms the sky. 
Day three, God forms the dry land and all of its vegetation. So those are the, the forming days. We've got light separating it from darkness, forms the sky, forms the dry land. And then filling days. These are days four, five, and six. God fills the sky with sun, moon, and stars. And then he fills the waters with fish and sea creatures. And the sky with birds. Day six, he fills the land with mammals, reptiles, and humankind. So God is former and God is filler. That's how I remembered in seminary. So hopefully that's helpful to you. And in the early verses of the scriptures, it's so interesting, like the tohu wabohu, like the formlessness and the emptiness. Like the world could not support life in its current state. It didn't have sky. It was formless and empty. And we hear that darkness was hovering over the spirit of the deep. And But God's voice changes what's possible. God's voice changes the current state of the world, and he brings a new way of looking at things. And today, I just need to tell the church, like, I recognize that you may not love the current state of your life. Like, there might be some circumstances that you are in today, and you're not, <laughs> it feels not very ordered. It feels sort of chaotic. It feels a little bit formless and it feels a little bit empty. I just want you to know that the God of the Bible is a former and a filler. And he is going to work to bring order to the chaos. That, that's who he is. That's his track record. Like how do you know like, who somebody is? Like, how do you know somebody's character? Look at what they've done. Don't listen to what they, who they say they are. Watch who they are. And in the very, the very first page of Scripture, God, from his throne in heaven, is a God who's saying, I know that there's chaos, and I enter it, and I'm going to bring order to it. Because I'm not going to let this world that I have made continue to exist in its current state. And can I just tell you, God's not going to allow us to live in our current state either. Can I tell you that God has some creative work in us? No matter if you've been walking for longer than, with Jesus for longer than three decades. God's got some work he wants us to do that we would all grow up into Christ, as Paul talks about. But to follow Jesus is to be formed in ways that we are not ready for. If you are going to follow Jesus, he is going to form you in ways that you are not ready for. And he is going to fill you with things that you would not choose. This week we had an emergency in our family and we had a splinter. I'm not going to say whose hand had the splinter. It wasn't me. But it was somebody else. And we were ready to get the splinter out of said hand. It wasn't like super deep. And I was ready with 
the tweezers in hand and the individual was not ready for the tweezers. Anybody been in a moment like that in life? Not ready for the work that I was ready to do. And this person was letting me know that in very, con- con- very convincing terms. So I did the mature, fatherly thing, and I forced him. No, I'm just kidding. I backed up. And I just, in that moment, I got to be honest with you, I thought about 2020 and 2021. Like God wanting to form some things in me. I wasn't ready for it. God wanting to fill me in some things that I would not choose. Because who's going to choose hardship? Like, I, I, I know I need to grow up. I know I need to be formed into the likeness of Christ. But can God do that, like, on vacation? And yes, of course he can. It just happens to be that on vacation, our eyes are not on God in the ways that our eyes are on God in suffering and hardship and pain and darkness. And I'm just going to tell you, if there's a, a new pandemic coming in 2022, I'm not speaking that over anybody today, over our world today. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be more ready than I was for this one. A lot more ready. But this year has been trying and it's been testing. But there's also been gift in it. Because God has formed and has filled us. I think we could pass this microphone around today. The introverts in the room are like, oh no, please don't. But we could tell some stories of some ways that we have been formed into chaos. Ways that we have been filled in the darkness. And in that way, it's gift. We wouldn't choose it tomorrow. But we always, well, we also are not rejecting the work of God in it. So to follow Jesus is to be formed in ways we are not ready for and filled, having our hearts filled with what we would not choose. And why is this? Because nobody sees the chaos more clearly than the creator does. You know how this works. Someone comes over to your house and the kinds of eyes you have for your own house, you do not have those same eyes for another person's house, right? From like a cleanliness standpoint. Hopefully you don't go to other people's houses and be like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do it like that. Wouldn't put the cereal there. Mm-mm, on top of the fridge, what are they doing, right? But think about how you feel when somebody else comes to yours. You're like, oh my gosh, I know we, oh, I don't think we've cleaned the towels in two days, right? There, there's this like anxiety that comes up. Nobody sees the chaos more clearly than God. And why does that matter? Why is that significant? Why are we even talking about that? Because there is a blindness that we have to the divine image in other people, isn't there? There's this theologian, Miroslav Volf, and he once wrote that I am prone to exclude my enemies from the community of humans and exclude myself from the community of sinners. 
Let's like let it hang there for a second. I'm prone to exclude my enemies from the community of humans and exclude myself from the communities from the community of sinners. Thinks a lot, Miroslav. And nobody sees the chaos more clearly than God. And that's why he's forming. And that's why he's filling. Because I'm prone to see my enemies as not belonging to the community of humanity. I've seen them as other. And I am prone to seeing myself as outside of the community of sinners. But when God does the forming and the filling, can I tell you what happens? Like what happens when God is forming and when God is filling, life spills out. Like the Garden of Eden, this like amazing, I like to think of it as a jungle and not like a little garden. Where there's plants and there's animals. Imagine like the sun rising and the sun setting in Eden. Like this perfection. This amazing place. When God does the forming and the filling, life spills out. I'm going to invite the band up as we close this morning. And I want to leave us with this question. And this is the question that grabbed me this week. That I just could not let go of. I wrote it on my cute little whiteboard and I stared at it for a long time. That when God is forming and filling us in ways that we do not like, when God's forming us and filling us in ways that do not feel good, in ways that we do not like, in ways we wouldn't choose, is it possible that he is responding to a chaos that we cannot see. And so when you find yourself in that place, like is it possible when we see the tweezers in the hand of God that he's responding to a chaos that we're not even aware of? It's not because he's cruel. It's not because he's angry. It's because he's good. It's because he's faithful. Because he's the God who's going to take chaos and he's going to bring order. And then there's going to be this satisfaction. Oh yeah, Dave, that thing has changed in you and I call that good. I call that good. Because the version of Dave 365 days ago and the Dave of today look different. And God says, oh, I call that good. Because I shaped the chaos. And I formed and I filled. So as a community of faith, I don't want this to be a place where we run from that where we run from God forming and God filling us, even when it hurts. Because when God forms and God fills, life spills out. And I think if we all as a community have a focus on 
growing up in all ways into Christ. I think there's going to be life that's going to come to people that aren't even in this room. So we don't want to reject it as God's judgment on us. Could we receive it as his grace? Because can I just tell you, I can't even see the chaos present in my own story. There's a blindness I have to it. It's why I need God. It's why I need the scripture. It's why I need community around. It's blind spots for a reason. So I'm excited about this series this summer. What an incredible 31 verses at the beginning of the Bible. Oh my goodness, I don't think I learned all of this in Sunday school, so thankful to have the opportunity to do that. But church, I'm just going to ask that you would consider this today. Some ways that God's formed you and filled you in ways that, yes, have been painful and maybe are currently. But to think about it in terms of God responding to a chaos that you can't see. We pray, God, we're thankful today for your, for your goodness and grace and faithfulness to us. We praise you, creator, for the origin of life. We praise you for your redemption that you have made possible for us. We praise you for the place that we have been given in your family, in your kingdom. We thank you for the two gardens of the Bible. We thank you for the garden where you created. And we thank you for the garden where the tomb was, where you created again a way for us to be together with you. So God, we are people who live between the gardens in these days. Understanding of the chaos of where we have come from and understanding the hope that lies ahead for us. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, to not fight you when it comes to being formed and filled? And instead, would we have an understanding that when it's painful, when it's hard, when it's not what we would choose, would you help us to see that it's grace? Because you're the God of responding to the chaos with order and responding to the order with deep satisfaction that these are my beloved children. And with them, I'm well pleased. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing uh, one more song uh, together today.